Thank you, Paul, for that ministry and music. It is our happy privilege today to be able to install Eric Kerb as an elder and Ray Arnold as a deacon. We are going to install them or set them apart for the offices to which they have been called through a process that is known as the laying on of hands. That may seem odd if you have not witnessed that before. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about the symbolism that is contained in this ceremony of laying on of hands. Through the laying on of hands, there is both an identification and transference of something. This symbolism of laying on of hands is rooted in the Old Testament and is found on many occasions in many different ways. The two primary ones have to do, first of all, with the forgiveness of sins. That, uh, well, let me read the passage, Leviticus 4.13. Now, if the whole congregation of Israel commits error and the matter escapes the notice of the assembly and they commit any of the things which the Lord has commanded not to be done, and they become guilty, when the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a bull of the herd for a sin offering and bring it before the tent of meeting. Then the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord, and the bull shall be slain before the Lord. So the the laying on of hands was symbolic of transferring the sins of the people to this bull that was going to be offered. Hence, the laying on the hands demonstrates a transferal of something. In that particular instance, it's the transferal of sin. As it relates to most of the laying on of hands regarding human beings, it's the transformation or the transferal of authority. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to our text, which is going to be Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27. I'll read the chapter and then we'll come uh, back and look at it verse by verse. Numbers 27. I'm going to begin reading at verse 15. Numbers 27, starting with verse 15. Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who will go out and come in before them and who will lead them out and bring them in so that the congregation of the Lord will not be like sheep which have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him and have him stand before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and commission him in their sight. You shall put some of your authority on him in order that all the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. Moreover, he shall stand before Eleazar the priest who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his command they shall go out and at his command they shall come in, both he and the sons of Israel with him, even all the congregation. Moses did just as the Lord commanded him and he took Joshua and set him apart before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him, 
just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. So I, I like to look at this symbolism and unpack it for you just a little bit this morning before we actually lay our hands on uh, Eric and on Ray. Joshua was set apart as Moses' successor through the laying on of hands by Moses. The commissioning of Joshua to serve as the leader of the nation of Israel came in response to the Lord's direction. Notice verse 18. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of man. Therefore, this installation was not just the work of man, but it was seen to be the work of God. This was the selection on the part of God. Now, we live in a period of time in history in which God does not audibly speak from heaven. We do not hear a voice that says, Today, set apart for me Eric Herb and Ray Arnold. While it is true that we do not hear an audible voice, we still believe that this is a response of the call and work of God in the lives of these two men. We believe wholeheartedly that we are doing the will of God. There is a process by which these men have been chosen in our local church. The first is that there is a nominating committee that's comprised of uh, two elders, myself, and uh, three other men who are non-elders. And we prayerfully consider men in our congregation to hold various offices. After having prayed about that and seeking the will of God, men are nominated. Once they are nominated, those names are presented to the Board of Elders. They are notified concerning the nominating committee's uh, choices. Then we have a congregational meeting, at which time these names are presented to the congregation and the members of the congregation vote to either ratify or not to ratify these men. Uh, it is important that people recognize that these men are called of God. Uh, they have gone through this process. They have been ratified by the vote of the members of our congregation, and therefore we believe that what we are doing today is acting in accordance with the will of God. The commissioning service was public and was to be witnessed by all. If you look at verse 19. And have him stand before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation and commission him in their sight. So this was to be a public acknowledgement, not something that is done in a corner, not something that is hidden, but, but something that is done publicly so as all can be aware and see it. So we have chosen to do this in a public service, and we have chosen to do this in the service that is attended by most people. Uh, we are here uh, on a Sunday morning so that most of our people can see and witness the installation of these two men. The laying on the hands was intended to be a commissioning service. Notice verse 19. And have him stand before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation and commission him in their sight. That means to set them apart for a particular duty and to receive those responsibilities. The King James translates it, charge him in their sight. We're going to do that this morning through a series of questions. For example, the questions that are going to be put to Eric are these. Number one, 
Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and conduct? Number two, are you in agreement with the articles of faith of the Biofellowship Church? Number three, will you endeavor to follow the principles of order of the Biofellowship Church? Number four, do you accept the position of elder in the congregation and promise faithfully to perform all the duties thereof? And fifthly, do you promise to promote the purity, peace, and unity of the church? He will give an affirmation of each of those uh, duties, each of those responsibilities, each of those affirmations of faith. Then Ray will come, and we will read his questions publicly as well, and he will do the same. The commissioning service was an investment of authority and responsibility. Look at verse 20. And you shall put some of your authority on him. Authority. The commissioning service is an entrustment and a recognition of the individual by the leadership. Moses, Moses was to share his leadership with Joshua. Notice verse 20. You shall put some of your authority upon him. Leadership in the church is to be shared. There is always, and let me underline the word always in the word of God, in any particular church, a plurality of elders. There is never just one elder in a church. It is elders in a church. There is shared leadership. There is shared authority. There is shared responsibility. Moses had to be a supporter and help to Joshua. Notice verse 20. And you shall put some of your authority upon him in order that the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. So that the laying on the hands is a transference. It's an identification, symbolically, that Moses was transferring some of his authority sharing some of his responsibility with Joshua. It is that imagery that we are going to enter into this morning. When Eric comes and answers these questions, he's going to kneel, the elders are going to lay their hands upon him, which says that they are sharing their authority with him. They are welcoming him into their midst to share in the leadership of the church. Likewise, a ray will come forward, and the elders will lay their hands upon him, symbolizing that they are sharing the delegated authority that they have to uh, Ray to occupy the office of a deacon. The commissioning service was intended for the recognition of Joshua's position by the congregation. Notice verse 20. And you shall put some of your authority on him in order that the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. May obey him. Now here is a distinction and an important distinction in the office of elder and deacon. And let me tell you about that uh, this morning. This is what our faith and order has to say about the office of elder. And I quote, In the New Testament church, Christ has provided men called elders, whom he has enabled and commissioned to govern with ministers or pastors in his church. 
Men who bear the office share equally with the pastors the authority in and responsibility for the life of the church. But in contrast to pastors whose primary authority and responsibility are in the word and doctrine, and secondarily in ruling, the primary authority and responsibility of elders are ruling and governing, and secondarily in the word and doctrine. Put it more simply, we understand that elders are divided into two classifications. They are what are known as ruling elders and teaching elders. The teaching elders uh, are the, the pastors in the congregation. And so our pastoral staff has the primary responsibility to preach and teach. Now I say primary because all of our elders would have the responsibility to preach and teach. One of the distinctive aspects of the qualification for elder is that he must be apt to teach. He must be ready and able to teach the word of God. And many of our uh, elders teach Sunday school and uh, teach within the, the church program, whether it be Wednesday night or in some other fashion. So teaching is important for all elders. But the primary responsibility is that of the pastoral staff. The secondary responsibility is to the elders. However, when it comes to governing or ruling in the life of the church, the primary responsibility is upon the ruling elders and only secondarily upon the, the pastors or the pastoral staff. Now, one of the ways in which that's manifested in a very practical way in the life of our church is that in our board meetings, the pastoral staff do not have a vote. Uh, we don't make decisions about the governance of the life of the church. We're able to have input. We're able to be involved in the discussion. But when the vote is cast, we don't vote. Now, the one exception would be if there would be a tie that would exist among the elders, then I would have the deciding vote. But uh, barring the fact that there would be a tie, and in 28 years, it's never happened, uh, and quite frankly, if that were ever to happen, I think we'd work to resolve it without my vote, rather than my vote, because that's my personal conviction. But the point is, the governance of the church is in the ruling elders, and they have primary responsibility. We have secondary responsibility. And so, we ask the congregation, after Eric has answered the affirmative to the questions that he has asked, we will ask the congregation these words. Do you, the members of the church, acknowledge and receive this brother as an elder? Do you promise to yield him all honor, encouragement, and obedience in the Lord to which his position entitles him? And so this very same Old Testament concept is carried through in the New Testament, that the elders are to be obeyed, they're to be followed, they're to be the spiritual leaders in the church. The office of deacon. Let me again quote our articles of faith. The office of deacon is presented in the scripture as an office not of ruling, but of service. His office is one of the sympathetic service to the church and to the distressed, friendless, or sick after the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, after we ask the questions of Ray, we will ask these questions of you, the congregation. Number one, do you, the members of this church, acknowledge and receive this brother as a deacon? And secondly, do you promise to give him 
all the honor, encouragement, and support in the Lord to which his position entitles him. Then thirdly, the commissioning service was accomplished by the laying on of hands. Notice verses 22 and 23 of Numbers 27. And Moses did just as the Lord commanded him. And he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. We have the New Testament example as well. In the book of Acts, the first deacons, though they're not actually referred to as deacons in the text, but at the very least, or forerunners to the deacons, we read these words. And you may want to turn there, or you may just want to listen. But I'm reading from Acts chapter 6. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. And the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Basic responsibility of apostles, to preach and teach the word of God. And so they said it would not be appropriate, it would not be suitable, it would not be right for us to quit preaching and teaching the word of God in order to meet this need, and it was a very legitimate need, a very real need of helping the widows in the church. Acts 6.3, but select from among you men, brethren, seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who you may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the statement found approval with the whole congregation. All the people said, yes, this is right. This is appropriate. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Honcurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. So they chose these seven men. And what I would emphasize this morning is that these seven men are referred to as men who are full of faith, and full of the Holy Spirit. One thing that is absolutely essential to keep in mind is that when we talk about the elders and deacons of our church, we are not talking, when we refer to deacons, as second-class citizens. They are not the also-rants. They are not in any less importance or dignity than those who are elders. They serve a different function. They serve a different role but they still need to be godly men who are equipped and enabled by the Holy Spirit. So you shouldn't think, I trust you don't think, of our board of deacons as being of any less honor uh, than our board of elders. Uh, It's very, very important that these be godly men. The responsibilities they have, the tasks that they do in ministering to people one-on-one, boy, deacons can be either very, very helpful in maintaining the unity of the church as they were in the New Testament. Uh, And uh, the apostles' word was received because the deacons were doing their work. They do so much behind the scenes that nobody knows about. What the elders do tends to become public, even as we're having a congregational meeting and and voting on a resolution that the elders passed. Much of what they do is is seen because it's a preaching, teaching ministry. It's something that, that we know about. But the deacons because of the nature of their work, many times have to be confidential. Uh, 
And they don't share the things that they are doing. And, and we have very godly deacons. They don't, they don't gossip. They don't, they don't uh, want to receive self-glory at the expense of others. And so they do a great work that, that many times we don't know. Uh, I'm just saying to you that it's a, it's a very, very important uh, role in the life of our church. And so the statement found approval. And uh, they chose those men in Acts 6.6. 6, and these they brought before the apostles. And after praying, they laid hands on these men. So too, in keeping with this long and glorious tradition, in just a few moments, we're going to have uh, first Eric come and be established in the office of elder. And the elders are going to lay hands upon him and pray for him. And then Ray is going to come. And we're going to establish or install him in the office of deacon. And once again, the elders are going to lay their hands upon him and pray for him, investing them with authority, investing them with shared responsibility in the life of the church. These men have read and understood their responsibilities. Uh, now they will publicly accept the responsibility by the means of answering in the affirmative the questions that are put to them. As I said, you, the members, then, will respond by demonstrating your support for them uh, as we uh, give you opportunity to do so. So I'm, at this point in time, I'm going to ask Eric if he would come forward, please.